In the city of Montreal, there lies a building which holds a terrifying secret. Most people remain in the dark as to the events that led to the disappearance of countless children and a series of unexplained events. Events that would shape a small neighborhood and keep investigators from solving the mystery of Building 4825. The year is 1986. At the dinner table, a family sits and enjoys couscous, a Moroccan dish adorned with tender lamb chunks, assorted vegetables and exotic spices. The dining area, filled with aroma, located just off the narrow kitchen, is small. The table, situated in the middle of the dining room, is surrounded by three brothers aged 7, 9 and 14. Next to them is their mother, father and their recently immigrated uncle named Hassan, a young man in his thirties hailing from the country of Morocco, who upon the suggestion of his sister has decided to come to Montreal, Canada in hopes of a better life. Despite the bitter cold and the dark evenings synonymous with Canadian winters, Hassan finds that his new home is small, yet warm and comfortable. Also present at the dinner table is the upstairs neighbor, Christopher, aged 10. He sits and enjoys the tasty meal with the loving family that has taken a liking to him. Christopher, whose mother is a nurse at a nearby hospital, spends many evenings with this Moroccan family. He is an only child who dreads the thought of spending sundown alone, waiting for his mother to return home to their one-bedroom apartment a dingy and cramped living quarter often infested with cockroaches, mice, and other unwelcome intruders. On this cold night, however, dinner among friends is more pleasing. The food is hearty and the dinner conversation jovial. The table is void of cutlery as couscous is best eaten with fingertips, something Christopher finds strangely satisfying. Unbeknownst to him is the fact that typical ingredients take on a whole new dimension of flavor as pieces of food connecting with uncharted areas of the tongue's palate offer distinct flavor profiles. It is said that people should only eat couscous from the section directly in front of them. Taking food from another person's section is impolite. Nonetheless, the brothers do not care, as they ostensibly compete for the same chunks of lamb fresh vegetables and gravy-laden couscous samples. Munir, the elder brother and the first to hit puberty, would use brute force to elbow his way to the most tender pieces of meat. The younger brothers and Christopher were no match for the teenager's hulking arms and muscular frame. He towers over them and has no problem exerting physical dominance, in the absence of the parents, of course. A true bully one who will seek the approval from his father, a father void of emotion, compassion, and understanding. Mes kuta, an orange cake, is served for dessert. Hassan breaks off a piece of the fluffy pastry, shoveling a heaping chunk into his mouth. He chews loosely, his mouth wide open for all to bear witness to the swirling mixture sloshing about the orifice. The sound emitting from his mouth reminds Christopher 
of the building's communal washing machine located in the basement's laundry room. Hassan proceeds to shove another lump into his mouth. This time, however, he unbuckles his belt to accommodate his widening waistline, a side effect of his sophomore year in Canada. Eh, I saw that thing again, he tells Munir. I saw it peer its bulbous head through the bathroom vent, he continues. Pastry crumbs had found their way onto the front of his ill-fitted sweater. The conversation suddenly turns ominous. The thing in question was a presence, a lurking entity that is rumored to be living in the building's ventilation structure. The shaft, as it's called, is the ventilation chamber that runs alongside the inner spine of the 12-story building connecting the skylight to the basement. Its purpose is to ventilate the tenanted apartments, specifically the bathrooms, which are connected along its walls through vents. Like all things void of light, the shaft darkens at night, allowing for only the faint cries of domestic disputes, sexual intercourse, and crying babies. An unsheathed toothpick finds its way to the corner of Hassan's mouth. The tip, nestled in his inner cheek, draws blood as his tone begins to shift to one of aggravation. Do you hear me, boy? He beckons. Munir appears perplexed, so much that he loses his appetite to the rush of white overcoming his visage. For the youngest attendees, the sudden change in the teen's demeanor is concerning. After all, Munir was fearless. It should be said that some of the tenants at Building 4825 were always aware of the thing. Most, however, believe this to be nothing but a rumor, some strange tale started by the neighborhood youth. Despite no one claiming to have seen it, the Eastern European and Haitian tenants residing in the building were quick to silence anyone from openly discussing its existence. The rule was, do not talk about the thing, don't give it power. The boys had heard about the thing, but never believed it to be real, until tonight. While neighbors, concerned for the safety of their family, would talk about it, the odd conversations regarding the thing were had in private. Could all of this be real, thought Christopher? Hassan and Munir were good at running the occasional prank, but this time it felt real, heavy, insidious. By this time, the mother had cleared the dessert plates and urged that her brother Hassan cease from uttering another word. It was late, she barked. The children are getting scared. Christopher, a fast learner, knew enough Arabic to make out what she had said. Hassan shooed her away by waving his arms as a gesture for her dismissal, something he had done on several occasions whenever he was met with stern consternation. For the remainder of the night, the boys gathered in the bedroom and asked Munir a barrage of questions regarding the thing. What did it look like? Has he seen it? Where did it come from? Why won't he answer their questions? It was getting late, and Christopher needed to get home. Upon bidding his friends good night and exiting the aroma-filled apartment, 
the boy finds himself in the building's poorly lit hallway. The door closes behind him and the security latch is fastened, but not before the last whiff of couscous momentarily permeates the hallway's musty air. The hallway is unexpectedly large, large enough that sound bouncing off of the concrete walls would echo throughout the 12 storied structure. A decaying building with outdated circuitry, every floor is connected by the winding stairwell that begins its journey from the very first floor and makes its way to the very top. Only 17 steps before he reaches the second floor, Christopher thought. He had counted the steps on several occasions on his way to and fro. Tonight's climb on the staircase feels lonely. There is no one else in the hallway, just himself. He runs the palm of his hand along the lightly textured wall, giving way to the curve that follows the winding staircase. The texture, featuring sinuous bevels, feels like a million worms scurrying along the inner surface of his hand. He wonders if the thing is living within these very walls. A booger etched in between the cracks causes the swift retraction of the hand. Gross, he thought. One of his? Finally, the second floor. His mother's apartment is the first on the right-hand side, just off the staircase. He pushes the key into the keyhole and is greeted by his mother. Oh, you're finally home. It's late. Time to go to bed. You've got school tomorrow, she reminds him. After a momentary chat, Christopher heads to the bathroom to brush his teeth. He would comb his hair with an afro pick he had received last summer while on a trip to New York City. He looks into the speckled mirror to brush his teeth, offering occasional glances at the window vent situated above him. The vent is slightly ajar. Upon spitting out the last rinse of toothpaste from his mouth, he proceeds to climb atop the laundry bin situated on the floor below the vent. It needs to be closed, just in case. That night, while laying in bed, waiting for sleep to take hold, Christopher would have a terrifying dream. One that will foreshadow a series of unfortunate events. <laughs>